KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah, today is Friday, Tetvav, 50th day of Sivan, Erev, Shabbat Kodesh, Parshat Bahalotcha. If we skip all the way to the end of the Pasha, very, very full, very, very eventful Pasha Bahalotcha, a lot of different things to talk about. I want to talk about only one thing today. Uh, I guess it's a bit of Musa, and in fact, we will base most of what we have to say on Avi Musa, Avi Yisrael Salanta, the Pasuk about Moshe Rabbeinu, when his sister and brother came to complain, to criticize him, Vaish Moshe Anav Maod Mikol Adam Asher Al Adama. And Moshe, the man, was extremely modest, more than any other man on the face of the earth. So in the Alkut Shimoni, on this Pasuk, there is a curious, uh, a curious duke, a curious uh, um, inference. Not at all obvious why it's correct, but that's not really our problem. Mikol ha'adam asher more than any other man on the face of the earth. The Alkut Shimoni says, from any other man, but not from the Avot. Not from the forefathers, Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. Uh, presumably, uh, the Yalkut is assuming that the word Adam means an, a regular human being, a child, but not a father. Okay, but in any event, the Yalkut says that the Avot were more modest than Moshe Rabbeinu. He was greater than any man on the face of the earth, but not from the forefathers. But there's a well-known Gemara that says the opposite. Uh, not in this context, but in general, the Gemara says, Gadol yoter mash nemav Moshe, a greater statement is made about Moshe than about the uh, than about Avraham. The idu b'Moshe katov v'nachnuma. Moshe Rabbeinu and in the name of himself and alone, but he was the one who was speaking. Said to Bnei Yisrael when they complained to him, v'nachnuma, and we. It means literally, and who are we? But Chazal understood his meaning. But we are nothing. V'nachnuma, anachnu klum, kitalinu that you come to complain uh, against us. So Moshe Rabbeinu called himself nothing. And argued with him over the uh, fate of the people of Sodom and Amorah. Moshe Rabbeinu said, as part of his apology, as part of his, his uh, introduction to the audacity of what he was about to do, to argue with God, he said, And I am dust and ashes. So that's the Gemara. The Gemara, therefore, is, it seems to be implying that it's a greater degree of anava, of modesty, of Moshe Rabbeinu, who said, I am nothing, as opposed to Avraham, who said, I am dust and ashes. Nothing is less than dust and ashes. Dust and ashes is still, is still something. So, Rabbi Salanta, at different times, different uh, sources, quote three different answers of Rabbi Salanta to this question all of which deal with different understandings, different meanings of, of anava, of modesty, of, of meekness, of humility. Humility is the best translation. The first answer that Sosalanta gave, was he said there were two different sources for uh, humility. Uh, one is... Simply a person who uh, who negates himself. He negates his own 
striving for greatness or his own demand that he does recognize his greatness he sees himself as being small second source derives not from a direct evaluation of yourself but from the recognition of the greatness of God you may be a wonderful person but if someone who has in front of him the knowledge, the sight, the vision the recognition and understanding of the standard of greatness of what is truly excellence namely God so of course by comparison he is nothing so if Sassanata said Moshe Rabbeinu was by definition had a greater understanding a greater vision a more direct vision of the greatness of God than anybody else as God had told Moshe Rabbeinu in Pashat Ve'eva that to you I have given a vision of Shmi Hashem of the Shem Havaya which I did not give to the fathers and as the Pasuk says in the end of the Torah that he was the greatest of all Nevi'im so therefore in, in, in response as a direct result of Moshe Rabbeinu's overwhelming recognition of the greatness of God he had an overwhelming and totally uh, uh, sweeping negation of his own self by comparison and therefore Rabbi Salah said that quantitatively meaning negative quantitatively Moshe Rabbeinu's modesty and humility was greater however Rabbi Salah Salanta argued that for the precisely the same reason in quality of Amavinu's uh, humility was greater because he precisely because he hadn't merited and hadn't achieved that great a degree of divine revelation and direct connection with the greatness of God but nonetheless he reached an extremely great degree of personal humility so in terms of the quality of his humility which was based on his own inner uh, inner activity his own inner um, surmounting the natural pride of man Avraham Avinu was greater right? that's Avisal's first answer another occasion he gave a different answer not distinguishing it's a similar answer but not distinguishing between the sources of the humility but of the type of humility Avisal said there are two different kinds of humility it could be we should use two different words even for this because it really is two different things one is humility uh, vis-a-vis God or to put it in more general terms uh, vis-a-vis the absolute standard vis-a-vis the truth a person knows what he should be a person knows what he could be a person knows what God demands a person knows what God is and therefore he knows that he is not much if at all there's another kind of humility which is vis-a-vis people it, it, it really means something else I think we, we know people who have one and not the other Humility vis-a-vis people means that you don't demand something of other people. That you're not insulted by people. You don't imagine, it's, it's in, in, the, in, in essence, it's the same thing. You don't, you don't imagine that you're better than them. And therefore, you're, you're not as sensitive to what, they, to what hurt they could possibly do to you or what you could possibly demand from them. And there, the real measure of humility is, even if those other people really are worth less by some standard than you. That was, if you compare yourself to God, then in truth, you're nothing. 
But when we compare ourselves to other people, it could be that I, by some objective standard, by my objective standard, A deserves more than B. But A nonetheless doesn't demand that he get more than B because he doesn't see himself as being worth more than B, even though it's true. So if Sarasanta said, Moshe Rabbeinu was greater than Abraham in the first sense, as we already said before, that he simply viewed himself as being nothing because he knew that reality was God's reality. But Avraham Avinu was greater than Moshe in the second. Uh, could be that if so, he was basing himself on what happens by the Meim uh, Riva, Moshe Benu does get angry at, at some point, at an extreme point, when provoked enough. So he does feel that he is being treated unfairly by the Jews, which involves some small measure of self-worth vis-a-vis the others. Avraham Avinu was greater than Moshe in that, in that respect. He didn't think Anochi Afar Ve'efer could be seen in the, in the terminology of the words. People can step on me. It's okay. I'm, I'm just dust. And I'm something which goes underneath other people's, other people's feet. So, in our Pasha, or it's not on the other side, the Gemara is talking about absolute statements. Moshe said, Nachmumah, Avraham Avinu said, Afar Ve'efer, Moshe Rabbeinu's humility is greater. He values himself less. But in our context, where the Yalkut had said, we call Adam, but not the Avot, here we're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu vis-a-vis Aaron and Miriam. Do they have the right to criticize me? Moshe Rabbeinu says, eh, he's very, very modest. Avraham Avinu, in that context, had a greater degree of modesty and humility. And... Uh, uh, less demanding, less, less sensitive, less defensive of his own honor, even than Moshe Rabbeinu. The comparison itself is interesting. I think what's most important here is the definition. The two slightly different uh, qualities, two different midot nefesh, and they both have to be developed, and therefore it's not surprising that two different characters, two different personalities in the Torah represented two different midot. We now turn to Harav Binyamin Tavori for this week's Gadol of the Week. The outside uh, this week uh, of Rav Yuchum Leibovitch, Mashkiach of Mir, Harav Binyamin Tavori. Yudches Sivan is the outside of one of the most charismatic and influential figures in the yeshiva world, Rav Yerucham Levavitz, known as the Mashgiach of Yeshivat Mir. He was born in 1874, and although I don't know the exact details of his upbringing, he apparently went to learn in the yeshiva of Slabatka, which was known as the Musa Yeshiva. But then he went to the Talmud Torah of Kelm. In America, the shame, the name of Talmud Torah sounds like something that people go to after uh, after school, after public school, and have a few hours of learning about Judaism. The Kelmer Talmud Torah, the Talmud Torah of Kelm, was well known as one of the main schools of Torah Umusar. And Musar was paramount in the school of Kelm. 
Reb Simcha Zissel, known as the Alter, was the Dmut Ruchanit, he was the spiritual guide of this Bet Midrash, and people worked very hard on themselves in order to enter this particular Bet Midrash. Apparently, Rav Yerucham, as a young child, tried to get into this school, and they did not let him in. They did not allow him to enter. He stood there and cried, and was so upset, it was so evident to everyone how upset he was, that eventually he was accepted into the yeshiva. Even when he was accepted into the yeshiva, apparently he was not accepted as a regular student. And there were certain sessions, what they call a vad, from which he was excluded. He nevertheless persisted and eventually entered the mainstream of that Bet Midrash, of that Tamut Torah, and he really got to be very close to Reb Simcha Zissel. Although tragically, Reb Simcha Zissel died very soon after the encounter with Reb Yerucham. Apparently, Reb Yerucham was there for less than a year. But in that year, he felt he was so engrossed and wrapped up in the teachings of Reb Simcha Zissel that again, he cried inconsolably when Reb Simcha Zissel passed away. And he explained and exclaimed that he came there as a katan and he's still a katan, but he saw the characteristics, he saw the midos, and he began to appreciate the world of Musa of Reb Simcha Zissel. And he remained as a Talmud of Reb Simcha Zissel's children, of his, of his Talmudim, and he learned there for many years. Eventually he stayed a number of years, to the best of my knowledge, in a rather closed world of solitude, where he studied Yama Valayla day and night, and went through Shas, the classic uh, line of the Hasidic world, is that a person came to a, a great Rav and said that he went through Shas. And the Shas ans- the, the great Rav answered him, that may be true that you went through Shas, but the crucial question, how much of Shas went through you? In those years, a formulative learning, Rabbi Yerucham went through Shas, but there's no doubt that Shas went through him. He became the Meshgiach in 1910 of the Yeshivan Radin, and obviously the Chafetz Chaim, the Rav, the Rosh Hashiva of Radin, was a big influence in his life as well. And he stayed there for a short time. When they began the Yeshiva of Mir, so there was a move by Slabatka and by other institutions to try to really build up this Yeshiva. So they sent a group of students to Mir, and Rabbi Yeruchim was sent there as the Mashgiach. And he became the Mashgiach for 25 years. The influence of Rabbi, of Rabbi Yeruchim on his students is what really attracted me personally to this personality. How many students have I met or heard about that told me how Rabbi Yerucham was the dominant influence in their life? He 
apparently had an amazing connection with his students, but understood that each one is an individual, and each one has to be addressed in his unique style, and to develop his unique personality. The Torah says, V'shinantam levanecha. Rashi, quoting the Medrash, says, V'shinantam levanecha elu atalmidim. V'shinantam levanecha means to teach your, your, your children. But Rashi says, your children here means your students. The equation of teachers and students is something that everyone should try to reach. Everyone should try to emulate. But it's obviously a difficult situation to try to reach the level where a person actually looks at his student as his own son is a rather difficult goal. Another story of crying with Reb Yerucham is told that when he had a son who had some difficulties involving a shirach, and Reb Yerucham was distraught about it, and he burst into tears. And people asked him, why are you crying so much? Okay, this didn't work out, whatever it was, it wasn't the end of the world. Why would he be so upset? And he said, because all his life he really tried to treat his son and his students as equals. And now when his own son was involved in a certain problem, he really understood that he somehow did feel closer to his son than to the other students. And that's what upset him so much. Rabbi Yerucham had this amazing characteristic of treating each person as a ben yachid, as an individual son. I've heard from many of the students of Rabbi Yerucham how they describe the atmosphere in the yeshiva, they describe the atmosphere of the sichot, of the special Musa lectures that he gave, and to me, it's reminiscent of my generation talking about the shiurim of Rav Salavechik. We always talk about the atmosphere that was created, the electricity that was generated in the shir. And somehow, that can't be generated and explained to other people what it was really like. Just we long for it. Uh, I had the privilege of learning in Yeshiva Srebinu Yaakov Yosef and RJJ in the 60s when Rav Kagan was the Rosh Yeshiva. Rav Kagan was one of the many people who felt almost like a ben yachid, like an individual son to Rabbi Yerucham. And in the introduction to his Sefer, on Chumash, Rabbi Kagan's Sefer, Halichas Yehuda, he writes the introduction that the biggest compliment anybody ever gave him was when they read one of his Sichot Musariot, when they read one of his lectures on Musar, they somehow felt somewhat the taste of what existed in the Mir Yeshiva when Rabbi Rucham was there. A whole generation of students of Nativ Meir, that high school in Yerushalayim, that Rav Bina founded and was at the helm for so many years, all can relate stories about Rabbi Yerucham because Rav Bina looked at Rabbi Yerucham as the guiding influence in his life and he told over stories and portrayed Rabbi Yerucham to the younger generation as well as he could. Some of the famous Russia yeshiva who are direct Talmidim of Rabbi Yerucham include Rabbi Chaim Shmolevitz from, from the Mir Yeshiva who also wrote Svarim both in Lamdis as well as we have a, a, an important volume of Sichot Musar of Rabbi Chaim Shmolevitz. One of the greatest mashgichim of our generation 
known in the yeshiva world as the Aleishur, that guide toward Talmidim of today, Rabbi Shlomo Valba, is also a student of Yerucham. Even a person like Rabbi Shimon Schwab, one of the great rabbis who descends from German descent and became a Rav in the German community, learned in the Mir and also explains how clearly he was influenced by, by Rabbi Yerucham. The personal aspect that I particularly have of this is that my father did not learn in Mir, but my father did learn in the Beis Medrash of Kelm. He learned in the house of Rebel Yelopin, who took over later and was the Mashgiach of the, of the Beit Midrash of the Talmud Torah of Kelm. My father was rather a sickly child, and he was sent once to a village where the uh, the air was supposed to be good. It was like what we call today in Israel the Bet Havra'ah, a place uh, like uh, some sort of a, a sanatorium where people go to improve their health. He went there and he said that the only person present was the only Ben Torah, the only person of the yeshiva world of the uh, who was really what we would call from today was Rabbi Rucham. He was also there for health reasons. So Rabbi Rucham took this young lad, my father, and they went daily for walks. My father said that every day Rabbi Rucham went for a walk and he said a sicha. He told my father one of these Musser lectures and my father said that it was as if he were talking to 300 people. There was no difference between talking to one young yeshiva bacher and speaking to the whole mere yeshiva. And he used to give over his ideas and his thoughts and my father's comment was this may be rich for my entire life. That few weeks that he spent with Rabbi Yeruchim enriched him with values of Torah Musar. Obviously, Rabbi Yeruchim, known as the Mashgiach, was oblivious to the crucial role that he felt in everybody else's life. And he said at one point that I came to Rabbi Simcha Zissel as a child, as a katan, and I remained a Katan. And he talked about the greatest leaders of the Muslim movement, the Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, the altar of Kelm, and the altar of Sabatka, as real, true Torah personalities. And he was sorry that in his opinion, he never reached their level. We today can only appreciate Rabbi Rucham through the volumes of Svarim that have been printed mostly by Talmidim. His, we have a number of volumes of Sichot, of the lectures that he gave in the Yeshiva, and today there is one set that's built on Chumash, according to Parshiot Shavua, and there's another set just of the Sichot Musar, of Chochmah Musar, printed by Rabbi Yerucham. So his literary legacy exists, and we can somehow understand the godless of Rabbi Yerucham from that literary leg- legacy. But it seems to me that more than that letter- literary legacy is what we, my generation, has learned from the encounter with students of Yerucham. The way they talk about him, the way they extol him, the way they explain what influence on him shows what the image of the Mashgiach, the Yeshiva of Mir, had on them. 
His yard site, as we said, was Yudchet Sivan. He passed away in 1936. Yehi Baruch. His memory should be a blessing, and I'm sure that Talmidim, Talmidei Talmidim, the students of the students, still have this image of Rabbi Yerucham as the Mashgiach, the ultimate Mashgiach. You've been listening to Rav Tavori discussing Rav Yerucham Levevich, Rav Yerucham, the Mashgiach of Mir, Zechat Sadek V'Kadosh Divracha. Going back to what I began with, the modesty and humility of Moshe Rabbeinu, V'ha'ish Moshe, A'anav Ma'od, Mikol Adam Asher, Apnei Ha'adama, there's a third explanation of Rabbi Sar Salanta concerning the comparison between Moshe and Avraham, who, so to speak, had the greater degree of humility. Rabbi Sar Salanta one time said the following. It sounds more like a vod, but it's, it's an interesting vod. He said, Avraham Avinu was a greater, more humble, had a greater degree of humility than Moshe Avinu. As the Alkut says, Mikoha Adam so why does the Gemara say that in fact Moshe reached a, a greater degree? So Rabbi said a very simple point. He said, it's true that Rabbi Rabbeinu had a great humility. But then Moshe Rabbeinu read the Pasuk, which he himself wrote. He read the Pasuk where God testified about Moshe Rabbeinu, Vaish Moshe Anav Ma'od Mikol Adam Asher Pnei Adama. And even after he read that pasuk, he read that testimony to the greatness of his humility, he still remained humble. As we know, it's a, it's a famous half-joke, half-truth, that a person can be humble, but there's a problem if he recognizes his own humility. Because then at least he could be proud of his own humility. Moshe Rabbeinu recognized, he read God's testimony that he was the humblest of all people and it didn't shake him at all. didn't instill any pride in him at all. That degree, let's say at the end of his life, having finished the Torah and read the Torah, and remaining on the same level of humility, so to speak, that he had beforehand, that provided the extra boost, which is in fact a greater degree of humility than any person, including Abraham Avinu, is to recognize that you have a very great degree, almost equal to Ramvinu, and still remaining and still remaining humble. Okay, the the lekach, the the Musa. In this vote of Isa Salanta, of course, says that there are two different confrontations we have to make. One is with our own pride, value, worth, and humility. And the other one is sometimes I think too often, people who work very hard to achieve good midot to correct the personality traits that itself can be a problem because then you become aware and proud of your own of your own good traits this can take place even in humility a person can work very hard on being humble and be full of pride with his own humility Rosh was so truly humble that even the knowledge of his own humility the absolute knowledge based on the undeniable testimony of the Torah did not in any way shake he, he, the basis of his humility. I'd like to conclude with a on the same pasuk, but a different a different vote, a very beautiful vote. I think it's 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 really deep. That was said by Lebleziu de Finkel, Shiv and Mir. 
who interpret the Pasuk as follows, Vaish Moshe Anav Ma'od, Mikol Adam, Asher Al Peneha Adama. So the Pshad is, Moshe Abenu was Anav Ma'od, Mikol Adam. He was very modest, more than any other man. Mikol, more than any other man. Whereas Yehuda interpreted the Pasuk as Mikol, as from. Not more than, but from. He said as follows, Where did Moshe Rabbeinu's modesty come from? So as the post of Sosalanto said, it came from his, his understanding who God is. And by comparison, who he is. So he said, no, Moshe Rabbeinu's modesty, Moshe Rabbeinu's humbleness, came from a different source. It came from his, his examination of other people. And his seeing in every person, even the simplest or the least of people, he saw that person's good midot. And Moshe Rabbeinu, Ha'ish Moshe Anav Ma'od, Moshe Rabbeinu was very humble. Miko Adam Adama. From, where did his humbleness come from? His humility came from every other person on the face of the earth. From his examination of every other person on the face of the earth. Not exactly Pshat, but a very, very, very true word nonetheless. A person who is able to see, when in fact it's true, how other people who maybe in general have all sorts of problems, but they have certain good midot, the recognition of that, the ability to see that, it's either a result of your humility, but also, Revelez Yudha said, it's a cause of humility. See that, okay, this person has this problem, this person has that problem, but you know, he has one really good meter. He's, and, and, and to learn from that, to know that what you are, what you learn, what you strive to be, is derived from collecting from all the other people you meet, is the source of the greatness of the humility, Anav Ma'od, the extreme humility described in Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest of all people, derived from a very simple thing from his learning and valuing, from his valuing the good midot of other, of other people. That's all for today. I want to wish you all Shabbat, Shalom, Vorach, Shabbat, Shabbos, learn Torah the Shabbos, come back, we'll be back together to learn more together in KMTT next week, starting Monday. And until then, Shabbat Shalom Uvorach. You've been listening to KMTT, the Torah podcast of Yeshivat HaRatzion. Ki Mitzion Tetzei Torah Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim. Shabbat Shalom.